Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee served the Lord for more than seven decades, and these life studies represent his contribution to the ever-expanding understanding of the revelation of the Bible. The purpose of these life studies is to present the truths contained in the scriptures and to minister the genuine life supply, to solve the common and hard problems found in the Bible and to open up every book of the Bible through interpretation. We're very happy to bring you selected portions from his speaking today. If you'd like to learn more about the Life Studies, please visit our website at lifestudy.com. Simply lifestudy.com. Now, here's today's program. The early church life of the saints in first century Jerusalem was a unique time in church history. They experienced the Lord mightily and inwardly, and they were multiplied even daily. But this didn't stop problems from creeping into their midst, some of which remain with us even today. Stay with us for another marvelous and enlightening life study of the Bible with Witness Lee as we probe the riches of the New Testament book of Acts. This program is furnished by Living Stream Ministry and features the ministry of Witness Lee, a faithful servant of Christ who labored and ministered for more than 70 years until going to be with the Lord in 1997. We have recorded excerpts of his ministry today, and with us to enjoy what I believe is a marvelous and classic life study message is Dennis Agashi. Dennis, welcome back to the program. I think this is your third time with us, and we're happy to have you again. Thank you. Dennis, in Chapter 6 of Acts, we have the account of the first real problems appearing in the church life of the first century Christians in Jerusalem. We have had by now the ascension of the Lord Jesus, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them for power, and then a string of miracles. Quite a beginning. But sadly, problems arose, and history shows us that there are always problems in the church. We've seen the tragic case of Ananias and Sapphira, but today we want to look at an issue that still has relevance to us today, and that is one of cultural and racial differences that occur in the church. What's the background, Dennis, of this passage of Scripture? Well, Chris, in Acts chapter 6, we can see the real problem arose between the Hellenists, who are the Greek-speaking Jews, and the Hebrews, the Hebrew-speaking Jews. So it was a problem of language, and we can see when we probe deeper, not only of language, but also one of race and even background and culture. It doesn't seem to be uh, quite a large problem. Actually, it really is because these two groups, the Hellenists and the Hebrews, were murmuring regarding their lack of care of their widows. So this is the problem we see in Acts chapter 6. Dennis, you mentioned these are Greek-speaking Jews and Hebrew-speaking Jews, but these are Christian Jews, right? That's correct. So this is a characteristic problem even in the first century church life in Jerusalem. Quite a story. Dennis, let's join Witness Lee with the first portion of our life study. Uh, here in the Acts, in the church life, we have seen the first problem that there was a couple who were quite ambitious and not honest. And that got solved by God's sovereign punishment. Uh, sometimes we have to realize the Lord would do the same thing and we don't need to do much. The Lord's sovereignty takes care 
of that kind of thing. But now, here's another problem, that is the problem, you may say, of language, or the problem of race. This problem here in the church at Jerusalem, apparently, it was a problem of language. Speaking Hebrew, speaking Greek, actually, it is a problem of the race. We know all the people here who were in Jerusalem were Jews, but some of them were scattered Jews. They were scattered among other races in their dispersion. Gradually, they picked up the languages of the other races. Now, they came back to their fatherland to celebrate the Feast of the Harvest, but they couldn't speak the Hebrew. They still spoke their Greek language, and this was the source of the problem. The source is not the language, but the race. Suppose all the mankind are just one race. Surely we only have one language. The different languages came out of different races. So you could see this problem was the issue of Babel. This problem came from the source of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. And these problems still exist among us. At that time, Peter and the other apostles, they did have the problem. So Peter exercised his wisdom to uh, take the lead to solve the problem. That is, to take a good care of the different speaking saints. Peter said, for us to leave the word, to serve the table, that is not right. So you could see in the church time, some of the things are major, some of the things are minor. To minister the word and to pray, these two things are major. But to serve the table, things like this, is not major, it's minor. So Peter said, let's do this. Select some white ones, the ones who are filled with the spirit and wisdom to take care of the table. Let us still continue in prayer and in the ministry of the word. This was wise. And this, I believe, was a pattern set up that we all have to follow. And number two, this pattern also shows us that we have to distribute the responsibilities to all the saints. Don't keep every responsibility upon your own shoulders. As a Peter or as a John, you should bear the responsibility to minister the word. Then you have to distribute service for the table to other saints. And this is the principle. So we have learned so much to do this. And in past half century, we have followed this pattern very, very much. So many friends thought that I uh, was super capable 
to take care of so many things. Actually, I'm not that stupid. Neither I'm that capable. Everything was distributed to the saints for years. They bear the responsibility of all the things. I didn't do a thing that is not upon other shoulder. Apparently, in the eyes of other people, everything was upon my shoulder and everything was in my hand. Actually not. When I received a cable from Brother Nee that I had to go out of the mainland China, I just went to the airline, I got a ticket, and the third day I left. You see, everything was not in my hand, everything was on the shoulders of the brothers. Not one beat of the church things or of the work things is absolutely in my hand. No, not one. Everything is on the shoulders of the brothers. We all have to do this way. Then there is a way for the spread of the Lord's testimony. Peter says, we will continue in the prayer and in ministry of the word. We will not leave this. You others have to do it. Whatever is recorded in Acts should be considered as a pattern. We have to follow the pattern. Dennis, we really heard two things here in this first portion. The first we talked about already in our introduction, and that has to do with the difficulty of race and culture in the practice of the proper New Testament church life. Let's talk about this for a minute. Dennis, we see all kinds of divisions and denominations today. Some, of course, split along doctrinal or truth or teaching lines, according to, and others according to various practices. But also, a great many churches are formed according to racial and cultural distinctions. When we really consider this from God's viewpoint, Chris, we can see it is really a shame to us as real believers of Christ to denominate ourselves and to divide ourselves strictly according to race, to language, to culture, or to background. There is no ground in the New Testament for this at all. In fact, I would even say it's an insult and an offense to Christ. And it is really an insult and offense to a Christian conscience just to be divided in this way. A clear evidence in the New Testament given by the Apostle Paul is in Ephesians chapter 2. We see here in this portion in Ephesians 2.15 that the Lord abolished in his flesh the law of the commandments and ordinances. What does this mean? The law of commandments here is not the moral commandments but the ritualistic commandments. And these commandments are contained in ordinances. An ordinance is just a different forms and ways of living and worship. This automatically creates enmity and division between peoples. So the Lord and his death on the cross abolish the very ordinances that divide mankind. What a shame it is for us as believers to pick up these ordinances and to promote these ordinances and to denominate ourselves according to the very ordinances that the Lord abolished. This is a real shame to us. In Ephesians 2.15, it says that the Lord abolished the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create the two, and this is the Jewish race and the Gentile race, in himself into one new man, so making peace. The New Testament church life is the one new man. 
And in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, we see another description of the new man. Here, in the new man, there cannot be Greek and Jew. I'm talking in verse 11, 311. Circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, only Christ. But Christ is all and in all. We see in the New Testament church life, there is no ground, there is no support to be divided according to race, according to language, according to culture. In the New Testament church life, we have to put off all the ordinances, all the cultural differences, all the religious differences, all the language differences. In the New Testament church life, only Christ should be all and in all. Dennis, I was touched by the point you made that this must be even an offense to the Lord because according to these verses in Ephesians particularly, these ordinances or these cultural distinctions and separations between the peoples that constitute his body are items that were actually done away with along with our sins on the cross. Absolutely. Praise him that he would bring it to light to us in this age. I I mentioned we had two items uh, that we uh, wanted to talk about or touch a little bit more. Let's go on to the second, and that refers to the apostles' handling of this situation. Uh, And again, referring back to now we're talking about this situation that uh, this problem that existed was manifest between these two different cultural groups within the church. And it had to do with uh, one group thinking that their widows were being neglected or not treated uh, on an equal status. And a wonderful principle is shown to us that can be a great help even for us today in our own practice of the church life. And that is the matter of distributing the work of the church among the members all the members, and not holding everything in the hands of one or two gifted leaders. What are your thoughts regarding this point? We can see here from the portion in the Word some major things to take care of in the church life and some minor things. Of course, in Acts 6 here, we see the major things is that the apostles, Peter and the apostles, had to take care of the ministry of the Word and of prayer. But that doesn't mean that they overlooked the minor things in the New Testament church life, which in this case was serving the tables, which seems like a very menial task. The wisdom that the Lord gave Peter and the apostles there was not to neglect this problem, but to take care of it. How? By appointing seven well-attested men. The prerequisites or the qualifications for these men is interesting. Even though the service was minor, serving tables, yet they had to be full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. This presents a pattern to us to see that Peter and the apostles did not want to hold everything in their hand or put everything under their control. They wanted to distribute the service, the things of the Lord, the things of the church to the others who were well-attested and qualified by primarily being those full of spirit and full of wisdom. So we can see here a pattern, we can see a principle that the work of the church among the members is not, should not be in the hands of one or two extremely gifted people, but in the hands of all the dear believers of God. It's a marvelous point. Again, another matter that I think has been missed and overlooked uh, most frequently in the body of Christ as we practice the church life today. I think that uh, the Lord is speaking something, Dennis, to all of us. Right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 23 through 25, we can see that even the less honorable members or the 
uncomely members uh, should receive more abundant comeliness. And God has blended the body together, giving more abundant honor to the member that lacked, that there would be no division in the body. That means every member of the Lord's dear body is honorable, is comely, and has a certain function uh, that is irreplaceable and that is indispensable and necessary to all of us. Dennis, we're going to look at, particularly in this last section of Witness Lee speaking today, at two members that are, I would have to say, prominent figures, and maybe not on the level of Paul and Peter in terms of quantity of writing accounted to them in the book of Acts, but certainly in the book of Acts, two very significant figures, Stephen and Philip, who were among these seven that you've been talking about. Let's join Witness Lee. It's very good that a good pattern was set up. And the seven were chosen. You have to realize among the seven, two were something else. Among these two, one is Stephen. Both Stephen and Philip, they had particular gifts. You see, they were selected as deacons, but they had particular gifts. You read Stephen's speaking in chapter 7. You could realize that Stephen was a great teacher. He was a great teacher. He gave a long speech to show you that he was knowledgeable of God's word. And surely he was qualified to teach God's word. And his teaching was rich and full of significances and was also powerful. He was a good teacher. Then the other one is Philip. And Philip eventually was manifested to be a great evangelist. See? But I would say a word. When they were selected to serve the tables, and they served. This was also a good example. Sometimes you may be a great teacher, and sometimes you may have the great gift to be a great evangelist. When you were selected to be deacons, you would uh, be mad. You would say, don't you know I'm a great teacher? Don't you know I have the uh, top gift to preach the gospel? You just belittle me to make me deacons, serve table. What is this? Well, <laughs> well, what is this? This is serve table. Regardless whether <laughs> you are a great teacher or you are a great evangelist, anyhow, at the present time, you have been selected to serve the table. You just serve the table. Suppose I'm selected to clean the restroom. How about that? Would I go to do it? Sure, you have to say, sure, brotherly, you have to go to do it. And uh, of course, I'm a little aged. Forty years ago, when I was in Chifu, oh, nearly every day I served the church by cleaning the restrooms. That was in North Chan, the restrooms were not that clean. Thinking every day. Well, 
You may say, oh, brother, you shouldn't do that. Didn't you say that? Let others do it. Sometimes the uh, surfing of the table, they would do it. But the cleaning of the stinking restrooms, they won't do it. Then they would say, brother, why wouldn't you go to do it? You serve the table, you are sent out to clean the restroom. Why wouldn't you go to do it? So I realized that I went to do it willingly. The patrons here will have to learn something. And Stephen didn't remember. Neither Philip. You know what I mean? You may think, well, Stephen and Philip both would remember what? What? Stephen would say, I'm a great teacher. And Philip would say, I'm a great evangelist. Why you selected me to serve the tables? Well, they didn't remember. They did a good job. This is the church life. This is the church life. We are under the Lord's grace. We are under also the Lord's sovereignty. No memory. Whatever we would take. Learn the lesson. I'm glad here is a pattern to show us this side and that side, all sides, that we can have a pleasant and happy church life. Don't say anything. Just take environment and take the Lord's sovereignty. Stephen served the table. At the same time, he was a great teacher. You know, whatever you are, you can never hide. Whatever you are, whatever you have, you can never hide. That would be, sooner or later, will be manifested. Stephen was a great teacher, yet selected to serve the table. But eventually, the record of Acts doesn't say much about their serving the table. Stephen's record at least occupies nearly two chapters. The longest chapter covers his teaching. What you are, you will be manifested. And what you can do will never be lost. Sooner or later, the Holy Spirit will use it. Dennis, I think this was an invaluable insight for anyone who desires to be useful to the Lord, particularly those with a significant gift for the body, whether in preaching the gospel or in teaching the Bible or whatever. These two brothers, Stephen and Philip, were called upon by the apostles to serve tables, a very menial task. But they would eventually, Dennis, to be proven to be extremely gifted members. What about their attitude when asked to do these simple, even humbling jobs? We can see from the examples of Stephen and Philip that they were very gifted members of the body. And the tendency, once you're gifted, is how can you ask me to do something so menial and so simple, even something so humiliating, as to serve tables. No doubt Stephen and Philip had gained some kind of notoriety among the brothers, yet they were asked to do something so simple. I think it's a good lesson for us, Chris, we can see here, that eventually what we are before the Lord and in the Lord will come to manifestation. But the process to get there requires us to be simple, to be humble, and to do things assigned to us according to the Lord's sovereignty. 
once we have gained a reputation or once we consider ourselves qualified to preach the gospel or to teach the Lord's word, we become quite reluctant to do the menial things. But we can see the pattern here with both Stephen and Philip. They had no reluctance. In the first verse of Acts, the Lord's people were murmuring, but you can see no hint of murmuring. In fact, they did it willingly, they did it agreeably, and they did it according to the Lord. And the result of this was that their real gift and function in the body became manifest and was so useful uh, for the Lord's move on the earth at that time. Dennis, I think you, you referred to something I want to pick up here because it's something that I think we can all relate to. No doubt we have all at one time or another had the feeling that they don't really appreciate me. They don't realize what I'm capable of. That's correct. But these two give us a real picture that if we trust the Lord and have that kind of proper attitude, willing to do whatever, the Lord will ultimately in his time manifest what is what. That's absolutely correct, Chris. It's a tremendous lesson, a marvelous point. Dennis, how much we appreciate this ministry for opening these things to us. Right. This is our need in the church life today everywhere that we could be uh, helped in this kind of way. Marvelous, very helpful, practical fellowship today. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Today for Dennis Agashi, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. You can now enjoy titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Visit lsm.org epublications to find all that Living Stream has available. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and EPUB formats, which means you can enjoy this ministry on all kinds of PC and Mac devices. Many of our publications are also available on Amazon.com and at iTunes. But to see everything we have to offer, visit our website at lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.